Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we analyse the draw for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations finals. It's Algeria, Tunisia, Senegal and Zimbabwe in the group of death. And we hear from Zimbabwe fans on a very difficult draw. I think Zimbabwe in that group, they, are the, 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 they will be the, 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 the punching bags. And the Women's Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon is just four weeks away. We have a special report from Cameroon on the preparations for the tournament. We are now working days and nights along with all the different contractors on site to finish the works before the competition. And a look at the English Premier League where Gambian Modu Barrow is impressing. Well, that's coming later, but the big story of the week in African football was the draw for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. The draw took place on Wednesday in Libreville in host nation Gabon, and Gabon have a good-looking draw with Burkina Faso, Cameroon and debutants Guinea-Bissau, their opponents in Group A. Group B looks very tough with Algeria, Tunisia, Senegal and Zimbabwe. Defending champions Ivory Coast face Morocco, DR Congo and Togo in Group C, while Group D has Ghana, Egypt, Mali and Uganda. Well, Zimbabwe have qualified for the first time since 2006. It will be a third appearance at the finals for the Warriors, who go to Gabon as one of the smaller teams. And my colleague here, Howard Musanza, spoke to Zimbabwe fans. These are the 16 best teams in the continent. So really, you didn't expect to find an easy group as it were. Because if you look at all these teams, they, they are good enough to, to win the championship. I think you, look at, you probably have eight potential contenders uh, for the title here. Which are these eight? I think I would, uh, your Ivory Coast, Ghana, you have Cameroon on their day. The hosts are always there in the mix. You look at Egypt, um, you look at Morocco. Algeria, they're the leading team uh, on the continent, based on form, but they're not African champions as we speak. So they're potential champions. Tunisia as well. And uh, obviously Warriors, I mean, from a Zimbabwean point of view, you'd think our boys are good enough to win the championship. If Zambia could do it, we probably also can do the same. You can't really say there's a group of death or, or maybe they are tough or easy draws. I'll come back like to countries like um, Gabon, they are the host. And you can't really say um, it's a small team. Look at Burkina Faso, Cameroon and Guinea-Bissau. A group D, Ghana, Mali, Egypt and Uganda. We have seen such countries even participating at uh, world level and they've done wonders. Whenever there is a tournament, people normally talk about the group of death. From these four groups, which one do you think is the group of death? Personally, the group of death should be the one that involves uh, Algeria, Senegal. If you look at their, 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 their players, they've got Sadio Mane. You look at Tunisia, they are, they are number four. I think Zimbabwe in that group, they, are the, 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 they will be the, 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 the punching bags, I should presume. I think Group B. I think Group B is the group of death because you look at Algeria, Tunisia, and Senegal. Probably 
uh, this is the Zimbabwean in me speaking, but I think this is the group of death. We've the, so I think it's, it's, it's a difficult group, but if you also look at Ghana and Mali and Egypt in the same group, and you just need two, guy, two teams to go through to the quarterfinals, it, I think we're headed for a football feast there uh, in Gabon come January 2017. You've got the so-called Minos uh, in all the groups, you know, those who were from the pot of the lowest seeds. You've got Uganda, you've got Togo and Guinea-Bissau. Can they be surprise packages there? Well, this this is what makes football the most beautiful game, is it? Guinea-Bissau will just go out there and play f- for their lives. They don't have pressure. You look at Zimbabwe, they're playing Algeria. Uh, everybody thinks, okay, fine, the Desert Foxes can do this. But Zimbabwe will just go out there and play their game. Uh, and uh, we just hope for the best. If they apply themselves, uh, look, we have history shown, if you apply yourselves, there have been shockers in, in, in football. And this tournament, I can tell you as well, that there will be shockers. Fans here in Zimbabwe with their thoughts on the Africa Cup of Nations draw, speaking to Howard Musonza. So Solomon, what do you make of the draw? Looking at Group A, we have the host Gabon, Burkina Faso, Cameroon and Guinea-Bissau. Guinea-Bissau is playing in the Africa Cup of Nations for the first time in its history. A very small country. They upset a whole lot of teams to get here. It's good to see that you know they have a team here that would represent the country and really inspire the nation. Cameroon is on the rise for me. Is one of the teams to look out for in this tournament. They've rebuilt. We've seen players coming in like Benjamin Makonju, Vincent Abubakar coming in and, and doing so well. Gabon host nations. Aubameyang playing for Bruce Dortmund. Prolific Africa Player of the Year. And also, by virtue of being host nations, they really need local support. Group B, we have uh, three former champions in Group B, Algeria, Senegal, Tunisia, and then we have Zimbabwe, who has never progressed uh, through the quarterfinal. Algeria is playing so well, but then they have prolific players. Maris, they've been consistent in the last few years, played at the World Cup, and, and I feel this probably will be their Africa Cup of Nations for them to showcase that they've really come of age. Great young players coming through, and they've really matured so far. And Senegal have also been uh, very underachievers in previous tournaments, uh, especially the last five years. But they've been able to turn the tide uh, because this generation of Senegalese players are really, uh, you know, great to watch. And then there's Tunisia, uh, you know, strong local league. They've not been consistent also. Uh, but you never know with the Tunisians, you know, with their style of play. Sometimes they come into tournament and play so well. And finally, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is good to see Zimbabwe back in, playing in the Africa Cup of Nations after a very long time. Uh, and it, it is, for me, this will be a time for them to get some sort of experiences uh, for some of their players that are playing in South Africa, playing in the local league and also playing uh, in the few playing in Europe. Group C is uh, current champions, Ivory Coast. You know, they've been really going through uh, a really uh, transformation. Yaya Torre, Kolo Torre, Didier Drogba. Uh, but now we have uh, players like uh, Serge Ore, Eric Bailey for Manchester United. Jovinho is still there, uh, the AS Roma player. So uh, they would want to go in there and say, look, we have what it takes to retain this uh, championship. And we hope to see how they would do. There's DR Congo. Yes, very strong uh, local league. Uh, players from AS Vita, TP Mozambique. I'm sure with their knowledge of African football, uh, they would definitely be a team to watch out for because they've really been able to play together and also uh, they know what it takes to play across the continent of Africa and in Africa. And then there's Morocco. Uh, Morocco coached by uh, former Ivory Coast uh, coach 
Harvey Rena, uh, the Frenchman. He's uh, taken Zambia to the Africa Cup of Nations and won. He took Ivory Coast last time around and won. Uh, so now is Morocco. Would he be able to get a hat trick? That's the big question. And then there's Togo, of course, with Emmanuel Adebayo. He's clubless at the moment, uh, but we might just see him coming in and, and playing in this uh, uh, tournament. And finally, in Group D, we have uh, Ghana, Mali, Egypt, and Uganda. Three of these teams, Steve, are currently playing in the World Cup qualifier for Russia 2018 in the same group. Uh, that is uh, Ghana, Egypt, and Uganda. Uh, so it is uh, definitely a case of uh, getting familiar with each other. Ghana has been playing well, uh, and it is uh, a consistency that Ghana's uh, strength has been. There's Mali. Yes, Mali consistently playing there, but would they be able to get out of this group? That's, that's the big question. Egypt. Egypt has been seven-time champions, but now uh, they have to revive their dominance after years of really underachieving. And finally, we have Uganda in that group. Uganda, the last time they participated in the Africa Cup of Nations was in 1978. So we look forward to a great tournament uh, in Gabon. Thanks, Solomon. And you can tell us what you think about the Africa Cup of Nations draw on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Who do you think are the winners and the losers in the draw? What do you think of the groups? And can the host nation Gabon progress to the quarterfinals? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, the men's Africa Cup of Nations is on in January and February of next year in Gabon, but it's only four weeks now to the start of the Women's Africa Cup of Nations finals taking place in Cameroon. There'll be two host cities, that's Yaoundé and Limbe, with eight nations taking part. It's the 12th edition of the tournament. Nigeria have won it nine times in Equatorial Guinea twice. And G. Eno Ebai gives us this special report from Yaoundé. 44 years after the country hosted its first and only major continental football tournament in 1972, during the 8th edition of the Africa Cup of Nations, Cameroonians have been expressing joy as they await the continent's top-notch women footballers in November. A lavish draw ceremony organized on the 18th of September at the Yaoundé Multipurpose Sports Complex gave a foretaste of what Africans and football lovers coming to Cameroon this November can expect. With Cameroon's government officials keen to host a women's football bonanza of a kind, emphasis is being laid on the sports infrastructure. The center of attraction lately has been the country's 44-year-old football temple, the Amadwa Yijo Stadium, that has undergone major renovations and will welcome Group A teams that involve Cameroon, South Africa, Egypt and Zimbabwe. With final touches ongoing, Thomas Biesch, the head of the company in charge of supervision of the renovation works, says the staff has been doubled to make sure the stadium is set for action in the days ahead. The work so far are quite significant. We have reached the completion of the work. Most of the major infrastructure has been already finished. That means all the concrete and uh, iron infrastructure. Now we are doing the finishing works inside the building. That means we have completed all seatings, 
the lawn. We are now doing the changing rooms and everything. We are now working days and nights along with all the different contractors on site to finish the works before the competition. Out of the stadium, it's true, there's still some work going concretely. What is left to them? There are some things, but as I say, they are finishing works. The road is not completed, the furniture is not yet inside, but all this will be actually faster than the first phase. The question is, are you in a harmony with your schedule? Yeah, you know, the schedule is tight. I'm sure that when you will enter the stadium for the first match, you will not recognize the old uh, Omnisport Stadium. It will be a completely rebranded new stadium at the FIFA standard. We are doing significant work, so we are confident it will be okay. It is the same chorus over at the three training pitches in Yaoundé as Ayok Isaac, a senior official at the Chinese company Sino Ijo, that is constructing the training pitches, confirms. We are done with the both tribunes, Tribune A and Tribune B. Behind Tribune B, you have the shops that are done. Behind Tribune A, we have the restrooms that are also done. All the infrastructures that we were supposed to construct, they have all been constructed. Over in the city of Limbe in the southwest region, the recently inaugurated Limbe Omnisport Stadium has been closed down temporarily for maintenance. Limbe is christened the town of friendship and the city will receive Group B games that involve Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya and Mali. Authorities of the seaside resort city have been at work transforming the exotic town into a marvelous destination for the Women Africa Cup of Nations. The government delegate of the Limbe City Council, Andrew Motanga Monjimba, is confident the town of friendship will only get better with the nation's cup. We are leaving no stone unturned to make sure that our town presents its real faces. Naturally, our town is clean but we want to make it cleaner than ever before. The city council is trying to bring out a brochure which will indicate to a guest who enters the town and doesn't know how to go about to indicate that this leaflet will contain where you have the stadium, where you have hotels, where you have the tourist sites, that is the botanic garden, and all what I've just named will be situated in the brochure. That is our own way of trying to ease the movement of uh, our visitors during that period. Uh, we pride ourselves to be the town of friendship, but we will become more friendly. As the start of the competition draws closer, preparations are expected to hit a crescendo with business activities such as the sale of flags, jerseys and balls expected to flourish. Njie Eno Ebai Yaundi, Cameroon. Well, thanks, Nji. And so it's 44 years uh, since Cameroon hosted a major tournament. Uh, but as well as the upcoming Women's Africa Cup of Nations, they'll host the Men's Nations Cup finals in 2019. So exciting times there in Cameroon. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. 
Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime and access past programs too there in our archive on the app. You can listen to the show too on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, still to come on the show, analysis on the English Premier League, where the Gambia's Modu Barrow is doing well at Swansea. Uh, I'm excited for the way he's playing, running with the ball, taking defenders on and getting it into the box, as well as uh, you know scoring the odd goal himself. But before that, we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. And last week, we covered the news that Algeria's coach Milovan Rajavats had resigned following huge pressure after the Desert Foxes drew 1-1 at home to Cameroon in their opening 2018 World Cup qualifier. Now, amazingly, Rajavats had only two matches in charge of Algeria with one win and a draw. Uh, Rajavats is the man who took Ghana to the quarterfinals of the 2010 World Cup, so we asked, was it fair for him to have to resign? From Malawi, Alfred Mdimba says, yes, it was fair. If the pressure increases, what else must a coach do but step down? And Efratha Kamanga, also in Malawi, agrees. He says, yes, it was fair because the teams need to get good results. And Mohamed in the Gambia, though, disagrees. He says it's not fair. They should have given him more time. Sana Jaune, also in the Gambia, says it's not fair at all. He should have been given some time to prove himself, and to draw with Cameroon is not a bad result. Over to Zambia now, and Mwinga Maimbolua says it was not fair for them to part ways with their coach, but that goes to show how much pressure there is when one gets to coach a top team like Algeria. Gift Chipanda got in touch from Malawi. He says, in my observation, I've realised that most African countries tend to blame their coaches if the team doesn't perform. And Gift also says, Rajavats is a good coach, but there must be some internal problems which made Algeria unable to perform well on the ground. Also from Malawi, Albert Kadzombe says it was a bad idea to fire the coach because the team they were playing is a big team. Cameroon cannot be underestimated. Yeah, absolutely, Albert. Uh, that's very true. And let's now hear from a listener in Cameroon. That's a Silas Ankiambom Gong. I do not think it's fair, says Silas because it gives the impression that in football one must win at all costs. This takes away the pleasure of the great game. Nonetheless, Algeria, ranked for a long time number one on the continent, to draw with Cameroon at home does not really make sense on the book. Also in Cameroon, Donald says this is bad news for Algeria because he's going at a crucial moment. I tipped them to beat my country Cameroon, but they failed. It'll be very difficult for them now. I think his resignation came as a result of internal problems. Mohamed Ndure in The Gambia brings another perspective. I was shocked to hear of his resignation, says Mohamed, with such huge experience and after just two games, he left too early as coach of the Desert Foxes. However, I'm a big fan of Africans coaching African teams. It's high time we trusted our own coaches. And that's a very good point that many would support Mohamed. Uh, here's Barnabas Ande, who now says, uh, as a Nigerian, I'd say that it's fair, but that's because it'll favour my dear Super Eagles when we clash next month. But in a footballing context, it's not fair at all. Milovan Rajavac is a very good coach who's worked really hard to get where he is now, and I wish him luck moving forward. 
Ismail Saidu Kanu is in Sierra Leone. He says Algeria should have exercised some patience with Rayavats because they still have a chance to make it to the World Cup in 2018. It's really unfair on their side. The coach hasn't even lost a match. It's sad, says Ismail. Khalifa Sanyang from the Gambia is currently studying in China. So he resigned after two games, asks Khalifa. He should learn to deal with pressure and not pay too much attention to the press. If it was his decision to quit after two games, then he's not the man I think he is. It seems very unfair, says Khalifa. Aliou B. Conte in the Gambia says, I think they should have given him a chance to improve because a team like Algeria is very difficult to manage because they have so many experienced players. Any manager that comes in would find it difficult to settle with the players and that may cause them not to get the maximum points that they need and their group is very tough, says Aliou. And finally, Fode and G in the Gambia says, I think the way he left signals a case of mutual agreement from both camps. Maybe the Desert Foxes are expecting just too much from him and he perhaps assumes it's not a convenient environment to work in. But uh, coming to the question, I think it's a bit harsh from Algeria, but you can't blame them at such a critical stage. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. It's always great to hear from you on the show. And this week, uh, tell us what you think about the Africa Cup of Nations draw. What do you think of the groups? Uh, Can the host nation Gabon progress beyond the group stage? And which is the toughest group? Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, to the English Premier League now on the show, and I'm joined by Stuart Weir, our European football expert. Uh, Stuart is in the UK. And we had an interview with Nigeria's Victor Moses recently, and he was one of the star players of last weekend's game, Stuart, starting the game and scoring a lovely goal for Chelsea in their 3-0 win over Leicester. Yes, I mean, it's been a difficult time for Victor at Chelsea, but he's now started successive games against Hull and Leicester after five appearances off the bench. I think that the new manager, Conte, clearly likes him. And of course, as you say, he got his first goal uh, against Leicester City. But, you know, if you look at the competition at Chelsea, Pedro joined Chelsea last season after 200 appearances for Barcelona, and he's struggling to get in the team. John Obi Mikel has yet to appear this season. Cesc Fabregas has only had one start. So it's not surprising that Victor is finding a lot of competition and he's doing extremely well uh, to be in the team. Incidentally, Steve, another really interesting thing about Chelsea this year is that, of course, they're renowned for big spending. But last weekend, they brought three homegrown players off the bench. That's uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Olaina. And Nathaniel Shibula, we talked about him with uh, Sierra Leone Connections uh, previously. And the interesting thing with these three substitutes is Shibula is 21 and the other two are 20. So a new youth policy at Chelsea, perhaps. Well, we don't normally associate Chelsea with that. Another Nigerian doing well was Isaac Success. Uh, he was man of the match as Watford beat Middlesbrough 1-0. Uh, but his compatriot, Odion Igalu, was an unused substitute. Yes, I mean, Isaac Success, the 20-year-old Nigerian, uh, got his first start at the weekend when Watford beat Middlesbrough after five appearances off the bench. And, of course, he scored off the bench at Bournemouth the previous week. Now, 
rather strangely, he thought he had won a penalty against Middlesbrough. But while they were sort of protesting to the referee, Josie Hobas, their Greek player, put the ball in the net. And so uh, they didn't have to worry about the penalty because they'd got the goal. Now, I don't think that Odin Agallo is in crisis. Uh, he was left out of the team. He was an unused sub. But he has started seven out of eight games this season. Of course, when you score 20 goals and 15 goals in the previous two seasons, then um, only getting one in your first seven games is difficult to deal with. And clearly, the manager has got other options. But I, I think he'll come back and I think he'll be scoring quite soon. Incidentally, Steve, Watford, along with Chelsea and Arsenal, only fielded one English player at the weekend in their starting lineup. Bournemouth, on the other hand, had nine English players. Isn't it interesting how international the Premier League has become? Yes, and not all that English is the English Premier League. And a Swansea lost 3-2 to Arsenal, but a lively performance there from Gambian winger Modu Barrow, and he seems to have established himself at the club, Stuart. Well, if you think that he only got six starts last season... And he started five out of eight games this season. He's clearly moved on. Now, when I spoke to him last season, he told me that he was very conscious of being a young player, having come from an inferior league in Sweden, and that it would take him some time uh, to adjust to the Premier League. But he certainly seems to be doing it. And uh, I'm excited for the way he's playing, running with the ball, taking defenders on and getting it into the box as well as, uh, you know, scoring the odd goal himself. And, of course, he was very involved uh, in the game against Arsenal, creating one of the goals and uh, also being involved in the incident that led to the sending off of Granit Xhaka, uh, who brought him down when he was in a dangerous position. So a very uh, busy and excellent game for Motobaro against one of the big teams in the Premiership Arsenal. And that was the first game for new Swansea coach Bob Bradley. Now, he took the USA to the second round of the World Cup in 2010 and had a spell as Egypt coach. Bradley is the first American coach ever in the English Premier League. So how do you think he'll do there? Swansea seem to like overseas coaches. You know, Roberto Martinez from Spain, Paulo Souza from Portugal. Then they had Michael Laudrup, the Danish legend. And of course, their last manager was Francesco Guidlin from Italy. And, you know, I'm not against foreign coaches, but the problem with Bradley and I think the problem with Guidlin previously is they come with no Premier League experience. And unless they've got people around them who can help them to understand the Premier League, uh, it can be difficult. There's no question about Bob Bradley's ability to coach, his pedigree, but how long will it take him to adjust to the cut and thrust, the extra speed, the difficult away games in the Premier League? Uh, I think that's the question, and time alone will tell. But uh, Stuart, Antonio Conte went to Chelsea having never coached before in the English Premier League, and he's doing all right, isn't he? I mean, I think Conte has made a good start. Guardiola has made a good start. But, you know, it's early days yet, and uh, I do think it's not unusual for overseas coaches to take a little bit of time uh, to get to grips with how the Premier League works. OK, we'll see. Uh, to the UEFA Champions League next and African Footballer of the Year, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was on target for Borussia Dortmund as they won 2-1 away to Sporting Lisbon in a group game. 
It's nine goals in 11 appearances for Gabon striker Aubameyang this season. Uh, Barcelona, too good for Manchester City by far. Uh, Cameroon's Vincent Aboubacar getting two goals as Besiktas of Turkey won 3-2 away to Napoli of Italy. And a Stuart, Leicester City doing very well. Well, yes, Leicester, of course, are struggling a bit in the Premiership, but three wins out of three in the uh, Champions League, they're really on the verge of going through to the knockout stages with three games to go. And their goal against Copenhagen this week was scored by Riyad Mahrez from a head down by Islam Slimani. So an Algerian 1-2. And, uh, you know, it wasn't their most polished performance, but you cannot argue with three wins out of three. And... Another lovely story this week is Usman Mana from Gambia. Now, he's 19, has been at Werder Bremen in Germany for three years. He got his first game in the first team this season. He's had four starts and he scored in the last game against Bayer Leverkusen. And lovely to see a young Gambian doing well in the German league. Um, Steve, we've commented a bit on the Ghanaian player Christian Atsu. You know, he's a Chelsea player, once on loan to Bournemouth, then to Malaga, struggled a bit. Well, he's now at Newcastle United in the Championship and has been involved in six games so far this season. And it's really good to see him getting some game time. Sure. Thanks a lot to Stuart Weir in the UK. And that's it for the show for this week. But the second leg of the CAF Champions League final is on Sunday. As Zamalek of Egypt host Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa, who lead from the first leg. We'll be talking about that game on the show next week. This week on WhatsApp and on Facebook, tell us what you think about the Africa Cup of Nations draw. Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashams in Nigeria and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.